the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm so excited because we are starting this whole new series on dating in the 21st century. And that is quite a daunting feat sometimes. And so I'm so excited to have uh, Dr. Bobby Brewer on the show today. He is a pastor and an author, uh, a radio personality. Uh, He has his doctorate in uh, divinity from Phoenix Seminary here. And I'm very excited that he's going to be here because he's written some really amazing books. And I'm going to have him maybe in the future on this one about UFOs because that is fascinating to me. So he's also done a book on postmodernism, which is going to be part of what will help us understand some of what's going on in our society today and the changes that have occurred um, just versus tradition um, and whether or not we're really getting as far away from tradition as we'd like to think or whether we can. And so he has, let's see, he's done um, church growth, um, written this book on postmodernism. You are at, um, you've been at Scottsdale Bible Church, you're now City of Grace, and this is the downtown campus, which is a very exciting place to be. Um, you do, let's see, what's the show that you do? Yeah, uh, Mario D'Artenzio. Yes. Mario D'Artenzio and I, we also have a show here on KPXQ that we do on uh, Sundays from 3 to 3.30. We call it Freak Show And what is, Radio. tell us what Freak Show is about. Yeah, well, Freak Show is <laughs> uh, as in Jesus Freaks. So, yeah, it's just kind of a, a show where we try to talk about relevant issues and, you know, kind of cultural trends. Is there an, is there an age base that's that's with the show? It is. Well, it's a byproduct of the ministry, Death to Life Revolution, which was originally designed to uh, minister and disciple uh, kids who are like into extreme sports, you know, kind of like skateboarders and BMX bikers and so forth. And it's kind of grown well beyond that, of course, now. So, yeah, you know, age range would be um, junior high to early 20s. Oh, that's so, wonderful. So a lot of uh, parents that we have listening right now, I really want to encourage you to have your kids listen to that show then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if your kids are reading like Thrasher magazine and stuff like that, they would probably dig the show and some of the people that we're partnered with. Oh, that would so, be awesome. Yeah. And they can find you on the KPXQ website yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so. do you, and tell us now, because I'm going to have you say it a couple of times with the ways to connect with you, your show, you, if you have your own website, how people can get a hold of you. Yeah. You know, the best way to get a hold of me is just... Bobby Brewer, be bobby.brewer at cityofgrace.com. Okay. So let's just go, I'll just keep it simple for people. So it's B-O-B-B-Y dot B-R-E-W-E-R at cityofgrace.com. And so 
that'd be the easiest way probably to get a hold of me. Awesome. Now, how long have you been in the Valley? Oh, wow. Since 91. So. You've been kind of all over the world. Yeah. I think after about 10 summers, you should be considered an official native. You know, if you've yes. endured 10 summers. Yes. That makes yes, you uh, absolutely. a native of Arizona. Well, you know, I've, gr- I've grown up here and um, I've lived different places, but really for the most part, I've lived my whole entire life in Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. Every summer I say to myself, oh my gosh, this is the hottest summer we've ever had. Yeah. I, why I can't get used to the summers. Yeah. They are just unbelievable sometimes. I, I do pretty good up until about September, October. I'm and just like, it's you so know tiring. Enough already. I know. You know. And then this time we didn't even get one. We didn't even get a winter. Yeah, I know. I didn't even get a chance to wear my winter clothes I got for <laughs> Christmas this year. You know? and so, I know. It's true. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we are going to kind of jump into this. And, uh, you know, I sort of have some statistics, but not really ones that I that I feel really good about, except that they are saying that Arizona is one of the best cities for singles right now, mm-hmm. and it's growing. And we have about 6.5 million people in Phoenix. And I think the last thing I heard when I was doing a, a radio show a couple of years called Singles Talk, and they were saying that almost more than 50% of our state is single. So we have a really high rate. Yeah, well, it's not only Phoenix, it's the entire country. Uh, the New York Times actually did an article entitled, Why Are There So Many Single Americans? And according to the census at the time, it revealed that uh, 55% of American men are married, uh, which is down from 69.3 from 1960. And uh, 51.5% of women are married. This is down from 65.9, you might as well say 66% from 1960. So it's a noticeable trend. One of the things I like to tell our singles is that, hey, if you're single, guess what? means you're normal. Uh, there's more singles ever before uh, in North America, uh, well, United States and Canada, and United Kingdom, and the trend is taking off in Western Europe as well. I mean, people just aren't getting married. Now, of course, this doesn't mean they're not shacking up, as my grandma would say, or living together. But nevertheless, there's a lot of single adults out there right now, and we've even seen dating website, you know, or dating businesses, matchmaking mm-hmm. Business, they're doing fine. They have they've had no problem whatsoever through the recession when other companies are shutting their doors and going out of business. Uh, matchmaking business doing pretty good well, still. So, yeah, because I think that what we really understand is that people. It's not that people don't want to be in relationship. Right. People are very much want to be in relationship, and I, you know, I tell clients all the time when they say, "Well, I'm never doing relationships again." I'm like, yeah. "Really? Yeah, right." You know, right. because it's like we just are hardwired to do it. We can't help it. We think we're never going to do it again. We don't ever want to do it again. We're done. Yeah. And six right. months, nine months later, one month later, yeah, we're out there again. Right. Well, we're wired to be in a relationship, we are. and we uh, are. It's just that the singles phenomenon is something that's uh, you know took off late, you know, twentieth century, and it's still alive and well. You know. Back in 1970, way back when dinosaurs were still walking the earth, 1970, (laughs) uh, you would have been very hard-pressed to have found a church that offered anything for singles. Well, and I think you made a good point when you said, you know, if you're single, then you're normal. Because there is really a difficult time still culturally accepting being single, that somehow being with somebody makes you a healthy person. And I say to clients, a great majority of my clients are married. It doesn't make you healthy because you're married or in a relationship. Yeah, Yeah. nor nor is it a indicator of God's favor upon your life or not. And so, you know, uh, it's kind of fascinating to me uh, because I think, I think somehow we still have this uh, 
mentality of life from like the 1950s. Like, like Leave it to Beaver, of course, not sure if many people remember that show, but it's on I TV. I do. Like, okay. <laughs> right? lied so, all the time. Yeah, so, you know, it was this American sitcom of the 1950s genre that, you know, portrayed the idyllic American home of the era. And by idyllic, I mean a happily married couple, two boys, uh, housewife, stay wife stays home. home. Stay at home mom. Uh, white picket fence even, you know. But in real life, uh, Jerry Mathers, the actor who uh, portrayed the character referred to as the beaver, has been through a divorce and is now remarried. You know, um, even um, Friends, that show, um, I should have wrote this down, but that show, I think only two, maybe three of those people are married in real life. Still, right, and they've been through divorce. And Jennifer divorce. Aniston, I don't, has she gotten married? I don't think so. Yes. You know? And so, I mean, they've been in and out of relationships mm-hmm. for the most part. And I think one or two of them have never married yet. Well, and I think the hardest thing when I'm talking to people about marriage is that really the idea about marriage, God really wants that because that's how he is healing people. That's how he's uniting the body of Christ. That's how he's preparing us for eternity. But we don't have marriages in heaven. We're not Mormons. Right. You know? And I'm not right. disparaging that. I'm just yeah. saying that that's not... The biblical belief is that we don't have, you know, husbands, wives, and children in heaven. And so it's a way to get, God uses to get us to be the people we're supposed to be. And I think the American church has a tendency to idolize or make an idol out of marriage that somehow that's the, that's the thing that is the last thing on the horizon that you're to accomplish. And when you've done that, you've arrived somehow. That's a really good point. I think the church is doing a better job on that, but. I, I was a singles pastor for about five years, and I picked up on some things I don't think I would have picked up otherwise. Like I noticed that most sermon illustrations, they're about my kids, my mm-hmm. family, and not too many illustrations out there about singles. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, you have Mother's Day. You know, we ha- you know, I, m- I remember having one like, uh, you know, she was a young professional, attractive young girl in her 30s, and she was like, if I get invited to one more baby shower, I'm going to kill somebody. You know, and so, it's uh, true. It's you know true. what I mean? So it, it, it's a good thing to celebrate. We want to celebrate marriage. We want to celebrate family. But, you know, there's some singles out there where, you know, it's just it's a little bit of a cringe factor. Every time they hear about, hey, we're celebrating anniversary this Valentine's Day. We're giving out who, who's been married the longest. And, you know, there's just a little bit of a cringe factor because they're reminded of the fact I'm not married. Right. I'm not in a relationship. Right. And somehow yeah. it, it gets translated to something's wrong with me. Yeah. And that if I were who I needed to be, then God would give me a partner. Yeah. I don't think anyone's intentionally out there to do it. It's just by default, you know, and so I, I was that way. I was kind of ignorant of single adult issues until I became a singles pastor. I didn't mm-hmm. even. Well, it's, and it's important to be able to say to singles that singles or married people that the edict from God that, that we're really working on is, am I being who God has called me to be in whatever venue he's opened up for me? So if I'm single, if I'm a, a, a parent, if I'm married and no children, you know, who, who is God asking me to be and why is he bringing these circumstances into my life as to be all that he created me to be so he can complete the good work he started in me? Absolutely. And some people completing the good work was not being married like the Apostle Paul. Yeah. And so we need to, you know, it doesn't mean that we're all to be looking for a box to fit in. Right. But that yeah. we're to be doing our relationship with God as a way to, as the Holy Spirit can yeah. show us what God's doing through yeah. us. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I just think, you know, the church is just simply, you know, because of the divorce rate, you know, they're trying to encourage, which is a good thing, you know. So yes. to a single adult out there listening, it's like, you know, try not to take it personal or be offended, you know, by that. But I feel for you. You know, I kind of uh, hear what you're saying to a certain degree, you know, with uh, 
how the church glamorizes. Well, I, I think that's a great point. I know yeah. I was single for more than I've been married. I've been single far much more and longer than I was married. And I really had to figure out how to fit into a church, also do ministry as a single person with no children. Wow. And how to do that. And, and God was very good about helping me to understand the calling on my life was not dictated by social norms. Yeah. And that's hard to do. But I mean, I really had to look at the the um, teachings and use them in a more anal- analogical way. Yeah. That's the, interesting. Yeah. That being the bride of Christ, the church of right. Christ, that being yep. married, that meant still until I was married to a man, I'm married to God. Absolutely. Yeah. There, you know, there's a place for single adults. We need single adults in our church. I mean, if, yes. If you take a look around, it's a lot of singles. I mean, if you pull, if there was a rapture of singles, a lot of churches have a tough time making it this coming Sunday. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they volunteer, they serve, they lead, doing stuff behind the scenes. And exactly. So we're very thankful, you know, for our singles, and I encourage you to stay involved. You know? Yes. Thank you for saying that, because I know as a single person, I didn't get a whole lot of encouragement. Many times it was more about then when you get married. But, right. Well, yeah. we're kind of, kind of coming up on a break, and so I'm so glad to have Dr. Bobby Brewer here with me today. And we are talking about being single in the 21st century and dating and really understanding where God is in all of that. So join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt. And today we are talking about dating in the 21st century, what that means and where God is in all of that. And I have Dr. Bobby Brewer with me today, which I'm very excited to have. He's a pretty prolific author on very divergent um, topics, went UFOs on postmodernism. He's done some stuff with Dr. Um, Del Husay from Scottsdale Bible Church. So I'm very excited to have him. He's also been a singles pastor, so he is uh, very aware of what it means to be single in the American church and what it means to be single here in America. So thank you again, Bobby, yeah, for being for here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I, what I was talking to you at the break was, you know, this whole idea of the amount of singleness that we have in America. And you were saying earlier in the, the show that it's also in the United Kingdom, even more so in Canada. Right. So what, what do you think is the, going on here that we have so many singles? Yeah. Uh, there's three predominant factors uh, for that. Uh, number one is, you know, in the first segment I made reference to leave it to Beaver, and simply put, the cleavers have moved. The, the cleavers don't live here anymore. We live in a different generation, <laughs> and thus living together is not frowned upon as much as it was just one generation ago. Exactly. You know? And so it's not such a big deal. So, it's almost the norm. Yeah, so there are a lot of singles out there who, you know, are single by – you know, the way you fill out your taxes, but, you know, they're living together. So that's a factor we have to look Address, into. Exactly. Yeah. There are a lot of partnering. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of couples, exactly. but, there, but there aren't necessarily a lot of marrieds. Exactly. Uh, uh, secondly is Generation X grew up um, kind of getting used to divorce. Okay, so Generation X was the first generation really uh, where it kind of became normal to either have a parent – you know, have your parents go through a divorce or you knew someone who was divorced. Okay, so if you're kind of pre-Generation X, it was almost a, you maybe knew one or two people. You'd, you'd heard about divorce. Well, it was noteworthy. Or, yeah. It was really, it was like spoken exactly. like, oh my gosh, yeah. they're getting divorced. Exactly. It was a big deal. Yeah, and Generation X kind of grew up a little bit uh, more accustomed to it. 
And however, Cynthia, what's happened is now now they've grown up. You know, Generation X, you know, they're like in their forties and so forth. Uh, they are scared to death of divorce. They saw how it wrecked a home. They saw maybe their dad paying alimony forever. They saw uh, just a hard the traveling ache. back and forth, the contentiousness. Yeah. And so they they are fearful, you know, of getting married, right? So a significant number of our single adults, and these are born again Christians too. I mean, I talk to people like this on a pretty regular basis, and the number one reason is like I'm scared it'll end in divorce. You know, it's kind of a fear of failure. Exactly. And they've seen Christian marriages not make it. Well, they, yeah. you know, what's happening that I've noticed is they start to equate marriage as the problem. That getting married is somehow the problem that broke up everybody. If we just yeah. don't get married, we won't break up. Yeah. And it's this really exactly. fascinating yeah. concept that yeah. I'm like, no, marriage isn't the issue. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And so that's hard to get people to have a, a, a paradigm shift yeah. in, in not seeing marriage as a pejorative term. Yeah. I mean, and that's why, you know, we encourage premarital mm-hmm. um counseling before you get married like you know i get some pushback i've i've actually had people just really get upset that i've encouraged you know premarital counseling and they're like hey bob you don't understand you know we're in love more than romeo and juliet we're on everything's great it's like hey i get that but um if you want me to marry you i need you to go through premarital counseling exactly and i want to marry you i just simply want to give you the tools exactly to have a successful marriage well and i have i have clients that you know they're they're dating for a month, they move in, then they get pregnant, then they start to think, should we get married? Yeah. It's this complete upside down. I, I yeah. had a Dr. Dave uh, Gudgel, he wrote, wrote a book called Before You Before you Move In Together. And it's the latest statistics, it's a great book, about mm. um, the statistical evidence as to the success of living together and the success of marriage. And the statistics prove out every single time, and this is not Christian statistics, right. that living together People that live together before they're married have a much higher divorce rate. Right. I all know. the time, all the way across. And it doesn't matter how I logic people, yeah. and it, it doesn't. Yeah, that is so good. I mean, it just, ha- you know, living together just hasn't proven to be. Not at all. A silver bullet. Well, and I tell you, know, you know that, that Proverbs uh, fourteen twelve. I think, my one of my favorite, that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. Right. And so I say to clients, I'm not condemning your thought process. It makes logical sense to a human. If I just think humanly. Living together makes very much sense. Yeah. But when I understand what a union is about and the complexity of humans, yeah. God is saying, please don't do that. Right. I know the design of my humans. You are like four-wheel driving a Lamborghini. Don't yeah. do it. Right. Yeah. You're going to destroy it. That's good. Yeah. And it's hard because it's a trust issue. Yeah, and it's even affecting Christians. Of course, this is a part of you know, the postmodern culture, but even Christians. you know. Yes, Oh, uh, all the time. Yeah. And then, uh, so anyways, I just want to encourage single adults, don't be afraid. You can get premarital counseling, uh, which so, will oh, give you the tools. And so then, I, uh, Okay, I got you kind of yeah, off track. No, no, that was a good track to go so on. Why, so <laughs> then, uh, why there are so many? Yeah, singles. and so then I would say the third reason, though, is I know a lot of guys right now, good, godly men who are like, Bobby, I can't afford to support a woman right now. I can barely support myself. Uh, the economy's shaky. I've gone through three jobs in the past three years. Uh, you know, there's good guys who love Jesus, who have a good work. They're looking for work. And uh, to their credit, I would say they understand that, yeah, if you get married, you're responsible for supporting your woman. You know? Yes, yes. So I, I, I respect that. And But that's just the reality of it. Our economy has forced guys to say, hey, I got to check out a dating scene for a while until I get some stuff figured out or pay well, off some know- debt. It's very interesting you say that because the last show I just did last week was on the key to a woman's heart, security. 
And what I was talking about is in a first world country, you know, financial security isn't always the number one thing a woman needs. What she does need is for a man to care more about the finances. Doesn't mean he has to make more. It means that he bears the financial burden, that he's managing the money, that he, because women are, are hardwired to be helpers. So when women are able to contribute, that's very different than providing. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's an awesome point. Now, yeah, I would agree with you that women's, the women I know generally, their number one issue is security. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll tell people in premarital account, look, if your woman's secure, you're gonna have a pretty good marriage. You know I mean? I'm talking about secure emotionally, financially, psychologically, romantic, I mean. You'll be fine, most well, likely. And, and see, what's f- fascinating that I say, you know, this is why womanizers have so much success with women. Because when you cause a woman to feel emotionally secure, she can handle financial security much better. Yeah. Financial insecurity. Right. When she feels emotionally connected to yeah. you, that you're a good man, that she can trust you, that even if things aren't going perfectly, that you're, her, her um, needs, her uh, security is of utmost importance to you, and you're going to do anything you can to make her life work, right. then even if you're failing. Yeah. She'll stick with you. Yeah, exactly. There's not a problem with it. But, yeah. And so yeah. it's really understanding for men that it's about really connecting emotionally, creating an emotionally secure world for a woman so you get the best out of them, that they can come alongside you, be that helper and that cheerleader, that advocate that you need. Yeah, most definitely. Versus thinking that you have to make a million dollars. Yeah. you know. Now, with men, normally a man's key need is everyone thinks it's sex, which is maybe number one. But number two is going to be respect. Absolutely. And so... And we like it or not, I wish we weren't this way. We get so much of our respect and our identity from what we do. That's if exactly you're a guy, right. about the third question you're going to be asked if you meet someone. So what do you do? I mean, or what's the your first name? One. Might be, yeah, <laughs> might be the first even, you know. And so there's such a high pressure. I mean, this goes back to the old book, Search for Significance. I mean, mm-hmm. we shouldn't really do that, but as men, we're just kind of wired to get our significance and our respect to some degree from yes. how things are going at work. Well, and that you know. Two shows before this I did, Key to a Man's Heart, is respect. And understanding awesome. yep. what respect means to men and how women disrespect men in ways they don't understand. Yeah. And that respect is not about, I respect everything he does. It's about the verse in Ephesians chapter 5 when it says that we're to respect our husbands. It means that I'm respecting Christ in him. Yep. I'm not respecting everything he does because yeah. he's not perfect. Thank you. Yes. Amen. And well, this is Cynthia <sighs> Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again with Dr. Bobby Brewer as we talk about dating in the 21st century, and especially in 2014. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I have Dr. Bobby Brewer with me today, and we we are talking about dating in the 21st century. And if you did not get to listen to the first part of the show, you can always go to my website, which is CynthiaHyatt.com, and all the podcasts are there. And I would really encourage you to go and and, and listen to that podcast because Dr. Brewer has a lot of really insightful things to say about what has occurred in our country since the 1950s and what it is to be single and how many singles we actually have. So I want to talk to him about this uh, whole cyber dating and the internet dating and what that's about. So, so Bobby, what? Yeah. Tell me what you think about that. You know, I think it's okay. Um, I th- in fact, I think in just ten years from now, it'll be normal to have met online. You know, right now it's still in that. It's kind of er- weird. It's early stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's like 
Well, it feels kind of unnatural. Yeah, the way I met my wife will be like unheard of. What? You mean he just came up and asked you out? You're kidding. What? You didn't even, what? You didn't do didn't like, screen him? Didn't screen him. <laughs> what? You're kidding. You didn't, you didn't know if you had the same hobbies or, you know what I mean? Exactly. So it, it, that'll just be like unheard of. Like, you know, you're, I mean, I'm sure like, yeah, like, you know, 2040, 2050, you know, people hear about, you know, exactly. pre-cyber dating. Well, just, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, I know that you don't really prefer internet dating, but I don't know what other options you have. Yeah. You know, unless yeah. you're like when you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s in late 20s, you're not in college. So you're right. not running into people. No, I would say especially if you're a single adult out there listening, you haven't had a date in like five years. Uh, you know, um, provided that you're still modern and you're, you know, you've updated your wardrobe and your hairstyles well. But, you know, uh, take a look at it, you know. Uh, but, you know, there's a couple of things you should know before you get into cyber dating. Uh, you're going to meet some freaks out there. You're going to meet some weirdos. Well, uh, so maybe taking some of the stigma out of cyber dating, yeah. but learning how to do it wisely. Just do it wisely. So first of all, I would say be honest about who you really are. Yes. You know, just, just be upfront. You know, uh, about, that's how you'll get the most out of cyber dating is just being upfront about who you really are. I encourage our single Cynthia to actually use an average photo of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kind of be a pleasant surprise. I mean, I've actually heard, honestly, I've heard real stories of people's saying, hey, I couldn't find her, man. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. You know, it's like a right. 10-year-old photo. Or it was right. Like I went into the restaurant and I didn't Photoshop. know who I was looking for. So, I mean, I'm, it sounds yeah. like we're making this up, but it's, it it's really true. happened. So, yes. so I would say use an average photo of yourself, and that way they'll be even more pleasantly surprised when they yes. meet you. You know, yes. I mean, what a pleasant surprise. They're like, what? You know, right. you know what? You know, so you don't want that, <laughs> you know, happening really. And then uh, you need to budget time and money for it. Yes. Uh, it can absolutely consume your time answering to emails mm-hmm. and responses. And so I would say, you know, determine beforehand, hey, how much time are you going to put into it each day? You know, whether it's a half hour or whatever, but don't let it consume your life. Well, and I think that's a really good point because some of it you can get trapped with someone that won't ever actually meet you but just keeps emailing. There's something wrong yeah. with that, by the way. To me, yes. that would be a yellow flag. I mean, absolutely. maybe that person's married. I, I don't know. Right, right. There, there's something wrong. Or they're lying about their profile. They're lying about their profile. So that's one of my other points, too, is just if you do feel a connection with someone, meet in person as soon as you possibly can. Yes. You know, uh, because you don't want to email forever and, and I mean, that's almost like a fantasy. It's like a, that's not a real relate. It's a phantom exactly. relationship. Exactly. Why don't they want to meet you in person? Why, you know, why is there always, mm-hmm. you know, and so meet in person and it's a win-win because chemistry can only be determined in person, I think. I agree. You know, and so you finally meet in person and you, you know, hey, praise the Lord or actually that's not the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. You know? Well, and I think people really have it. Christians, and what I have found, have a tendency to minimize chemistry. They just think yeah. I need to marry my best friend. Right. And what I say to clients all the time is, chemistry has to happen, or you can't overlook and overcome some of the things right. that you're going to have to overcome in a marriage. Yeah. If you don't have chemistry. Absolutely. And chemistry is the third thing that occurs. You have to have agape love first, then you have friendship, and then you have to have that romantic feeling for them. I agree. But you can't just have the romance. You can't, and you yeah. can't just have the phileo, the friendship love. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was single, you know, my mom would try and encourage me to date certain girls. Like, you know, she loves the Lord. She's pretty. It's like, yeah, well, there's this thing called chemistry. You know, I mean, she knew. It's just know. not working for me. Yeah. So just me, because also you want to say, how, how does this person act when they get cut off in traffic? How, how does this person act when the waitress gets the order wrong? I mean, there's some things that you, exactly. you really just can't learn online. That's you right. You know, that you want to see in real life. And then uh, lastly, I would say determine a budget as well. Mm-hmm. Don't let cyber dating become a money pit for you. So go into it saying, you know, this is how much I'm going to spend on it. And 
you know, God will just work through this capital, this yes, budget, but yes. don't let it, you know, take up all your money and all your time, but use it. You know, it's not, it can be your friend if you use it wisely. Well, we're coming up. We only have a minute and I really want to ask you if you can concisely, I mean, this is a hard question. How, how traditional do you think things still need to be when it comes to gender? I think uh, it helps to be traditional, you know, um, and I think there's some actually some biblical things about mm-hmm. it as well. And even some of the simple things like, you know, I encourage our guys, you know, if you really want to impress her, you know, pay for the first date. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, be a gentleman, open up the doors and, you know, be the leader, you know, uh, not like a, not a dictator, but a servant leader, just the way Jesus was. Be a good man. Yeah, be a good man. So yes. I think the traditional roles, uh, I think women still find it attractive. I think men still find the traditional role attractive. I agree. So. Well, thank you so much for joining me yeah, today. Yeah, it's good hanging out with you. I hope you'll have me back sometime. This is Cynthia with Conversation with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk about dating in the 21st century. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and we are finishing up this uh, last segment here with dating in the 21st century, or 2014 and what that really means and what that's really about. And we were talking with Dr. Bobby Brewer um, about how many singles we really have now in the USA. And there are more singles than there are married. And um, we're finding that I think about 56% of men are married or in their second, third, these types. And we have 51% of women are in or out of, of marriages. And it's it's even raising in Canada and in the United Kingdom. And we were talking a lot about, you know, if you were part of the Generation X, you were the ones that really experienced a real prol- prolific amount of divorce. And prior to that, divorces were very uncommon and very noteworthy. And it started really elevating and kind of just compounding itself. And so people, you know, in their 40s, around late 30s, 40s, very, very afraid of divorce and very upset and not wanting it because they saw what divorce did to their families, what their, what divorce did to their parents and and how destructive it was for each of those those parents and the lives that they went on to try to create after and the complexities that come with you know, now we have blended families, and now we have children uh, with a new spouse, and we have half-siblings and step-siblings. And it makes it makes life much more complex than it was maybe in the 50s when we were talking about the whole leave it to beaver and the nuclear family. And, and you have a stay-at-home mom, uh, the father goes to work, and you have the kids that are growing up. And, and it's, it is a very different world that we live in, and it's, it has happened very, very quickly, which is quite amazing. And one of the things that I was addressing with Dr. Brewer was this idea that somehow marriage, the the word marriage or the concept of marriage has seemed to become the problem. And people think that, well, if I just don't get married, then we won't divorce. And that is true. If you don't marry, you can't divorce. But it doesn't mean that if you don't marry, you won't break up. And so it's really trying to turn this around and have people understand that instead of being afraid of being married, I need to be more concerned about what is it that would cause my marriage to not work? What are the components that need to go into a marriage, into a long-term relationship that cause it to be able to stand the test of time, that cause it to be able to withstand 
the different growing that we do individually and, and the life hardships that come and the societal changes and, and the different catastrophic things that may occur. And so it's imperative to realize that if God has designed marriage, that he's saying that that is the best way. And I'm a big proponent of marriage and keeping marriages together. Uh, I was single for a very, very long time, so I know very well what it is to be single. I was single the majority of my adult life. And so being single isn't a bad thing. And what I am constantly saying to, to people is it's so much better to be single than it is to be in a bad relationship. And that my philosophy in my singlehood was I was always married to God, always. And even though I am married today, I am still married to God and married to my husband. So it isn't, it isn't an either or. And the more that I work on my marriage with God, the better my marriage with my husband is. And the more that I'm able to accept him as a mortal man and only expect him to be a good man, not to be God, not to be perfect. So it's imperative that we understand that the idea of marriage was instituted by God for a reason. And it is because it creates the security and is intended to create the security that individuals need to be able to work out their salvation. If God does not address or afford marriage for a person and wants them to be single, that that is truly better for them, then he works that out through his relationship with them. And for many, many years, I was very committed to being single and I didn't, I, I wanted to be single and I did not really consider that I would be married later on in my life. And so singleness and being married are both institutions that God has created and he uses them both and he loves them both. It really has everything to do with what is the best for that person. And some of it is what is the best time for that person. You may be single now, but that doesn't mean that God has destined you to be single the rest of your life. You may be married now. You may end up being single. And God may be dealing with you in that. So it's imperative that we understand the components of marriage, the components of singleness. And when we are considering marriage, we're considering coupling with somebody or partnering with somebody that we really trust that God's ways are best. And I was quoting that verse in uh, Proverbs fourteen twelve. It says, there's a, man, a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. And it seems logical to live together before you're married. It seems logical to kind of try it on. And what you find is that it's kind of like those, uh, those infomercials that you get the most of it, but you don't really get all of it. And so you're watching it and you keep thinking, yeah, but tell me what it really is. Tell me really the secret. Tell me what the product really is. And you just keep it. And so living together before you're married doesn't give you the whole picture. You don't get the whole picture of the person because you still get a single version of that person in a partnership. And so it's a very different way to go about doing a relationship. So when we are thinking about living together before we are married, I want you to refer back to the show I did with Dr. David Gudgel, and it was about mm, six weeks ago, I believe, and we talked about his book that says, Before You Live Together. And he talks about the statistics, um, the national statistics about how um, unsuccessful living together before you're married is, and that the majority of people that get married after they have lived together end up divorcing. And so we find that living together isn't really a springboard for being married. It really isn't creating a foundation that what happens is once I get married, many times I have to tear down whatever I did when I was living together and I have to still create a foundation 
to be married. And so the fear of being married certainly is justified, and, and I tell couples frequently, um, if you're not afraid to get married, then you don't respect the institution of marriage. It is a daunting thing, and it is a beautiful thing, and it really can bring out the best in people and really help them to learn God in a way that they never would have learned them through another person. And it really is an institution that helps people to get some healing that they might not have otherwise been able to get, that we would all love to get everything that we need from God, but we know that God is also in humans as a way to give us what we need so that we experience God through other humans. So as we, as we look at this whole idea about dating in the 21st century, we also have how are we going to date and what a different world it is because we have people that are waiting a long time to get married, waiting a long time to have children, or they're deciding to have children first, and then they're wondering if maybe they want to get married, or they're living together first, and then they're having children, and then they're considering getting married. So if you are single and you do want to be married, what are the ways that you find someone? Now, we have the traditional ways that you find someone, and that would be maybe at your church that's being set up um, by your friends, that's neighbors, that's chance meetings, um, meeting somebody in a bar, meeting somebody at an event. And then we also have the online dating. And, and I would imagine that um, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, online dating is going to be so normal and so the way to do it um, that it's going to seem weird if you didn't do it that way. And people are going to be saying, what do you mean? You just They just walked up to you and asked you for a date? You mean you got set up by one of your friends? And so you really want to think about In terms of online dating, how am I going to do that and how am I going to do that well? And there are some rules that help in how you do that. And one we were talking about with with Bobby is that you certainly put a budget on it because it can really take over your entire budget when you're considering online dating. And you also put a time budget on it. How much time am I going to devote to this daily or weekly? How long am I going to, to interact with somebody online before I actually meet them? And, and what, what are the expectations that I'm going to have? And, and so it's very important when you're doing online dating that you really are honest. And I don't mean honest in terms of being vulnerable in an inappropriate manner, but that you don't overinflate yourself because you have to understand that if you do that and you you're, you're then get to know that person and you actually maybe really like that person, you're going to have to try to explain that and you're going to look and come across as untrustworthy. So you want to be very, very accurate about who you are representing yourself to be because ultimately that's really who you want to be loved for you don't want to be loved for somebody that you're trying to be you want to be loved and accepted and wanted for who you really are so it's important that you trust presenting who you really are that God is very happy with who you really are even if he is doing work in you he is happy with you today he loves you today And he's not saying something to you like, well, the relationship is the ultimate reward. And so if you get your life together, then you might actually get to have the prize of a relationship. Because God does things in very different ways for each each of us. He does them uniquely. Some people, he wants them single to work out good things in them. Some people have to be married to work out those things. And so what you want to think about is, what does God have for me while I'm in the state that I'm in? If I'm married, what am I supposed to be learning while I'm married? If I'm single, what am I learning while I'm single? So as you go about the online dating and really putting forth an authentic version of yourself and not an overly vulnerable, 
You know, you want to put up a picture that is, is accurate of who you are, that is average, that is maybe you in every day, you in front of your office building, you out with your dog walking, you hiking, um, sitting at your desk, whatever it may be, that is pretty much an ongoing, accurate picture of who you are. And then you want to make sure that what you're posting up there is really who you are. And if, if it's who you want to be, that you say that. That you say, you know, this is what I'm pursuing or this is what I'm hoping might happen. That when, when you are then interacting with somebody in email, that you realize that that's only one facet of them. And that you still need to meet face-to-face as early on as possible, I recommend people do. Because the longer that you go on, the more connection you make, the harder it is to move past that if you're not liking that person or if that person, if you don't have chemistry. And really the only way to find out if you have chemistry with someone is that you meet them face-to-face. And uh, the show I'm going to do next week, we're going to start this whole series on what dating really is and how to do it successfully, how to do relationships well in a single way, and how to really create that long-term relationship that you want. And what you're going to find is that we have to start with Agape love, which is that self-sacrificing love that I love because you're a human and I love you because you are valuable because you're a human. And that's the John 3.16 verse that God says he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That doesn't mean that he was in relationship with everyone, but it means that he loves humanity. So we start with agape love. Then we work toward phileo love, which is friendship, kinship, partnership. That's, That's who we click with. Uh, many times our phileo love is our family, but many times our family requires more agape love than phileo. And so phileo is that I like hanging out with this person. It's companionable. It, it's, uh, it's likeness in some ways. It's people that cause me to be a better version of myself. And once we have that, then we can look at is there eros love? Is there that erotic love, that passion, that romance? And they don't always happen consecutively. It would be nice if they did. But what we want to make sure is that we're giving each, each of those three their due, that we, are, that we are operating in all three of them and that they are strong, and that the agape and the phileo love have to be very, very strong in order to sustain the eros love that we really want to live with and that really solidifies and glues together much of the relationship and causes it to have the longevity that we need it to have. If we only have passion, then what we will find is that hardship comes in the relationship and it cannot withstand the hardship. No amount of chemistry can cause us to stay together. And so we're going to move forward with this whole idea about dating in the 21st century. And we're going to talk next week about how to go about finding that partner, how to be someone that, would, that makes a good partner, how to live singly if that's what you are so choosing, but how to date if you are wanting to partner. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad you joined me today with Dr. Bobby Brewer. We're so thankful that he was on the air. And we look forward to next week. And I just ask that God would bless your week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. 
Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.